0: Hi everyone! Just a brief note to let you know that we have launched a brand new podcast called Talks at Climate to interview top minds in the field of climate change to discuss on data solutions in climate mitigation, adaptation, and climate finance. Listen to our podcast to hear more from the world's leading experts from Academia Institute and organizations. From Climate, a team of researchers and entrepreneurs based in Cambridge, Hong Kong, and London. It's Talks at Climate, a show about the big ideas about climate change, data science, and innovation. Hi everyone, uh, this is Karen, and welcome to another episode of Talks at Climate. Uh, So we're gonna bring the insightful conversations with good minds in the field of climate change and data science. So today we have a really special guest with us, uh, Professor Sefer Ruckman. Uh He's also the new elected president of uh, IEEE. So Professor Rahman is a really accomplished academic and entrepreneur, uh, and then currently professor of uh, electronic and computer engineering at Virginia tech. Uh, and he's also the founding director of the Advanced Research Institute at the University. Uh, and then the founder and the chairman of the company BEM Controls. Uh, we're going to hear more from him about the company later. So in this episode, we'll discuss Professor Rahman's journey at IEEE uh, in academia research, uh, the vision of uh, climate change and then power energy, the renewable sector, uh, and then potentially the, his thoughts on the AI topic, uh, as we have a really popular chat on the chat to BT recently. So I'd love to hear his opinion about that as well. Uh, so before we start, we also have a co-host joining us today from Cambridge. Uh, so Dr. Lai Lang Lun, uh, he's currently the president of Camp China Innovation Network. It's an organization that bridges the gap uh, between academia and business in China and the UK. Uh, so converting image and technology into applications. And he did his, his PhD uh, actually in physics uh, in Cavendish lab at Cambridge. Uh, and then he worked in technologies of converting like low grade waste heat into electricity that could help us to deal with climate change. So, without further ado, uh, I'd like to just uh, send a w- welcome uh, and then congratulations to Professor Sef- uh, Stafford Rahman on your presidency of IEEE. Uh, and w- when we met at COP27 uh, last year at Shaman Sheikh, uh, he gave a lecture uh, to the students um, at the China Pavilion. Um, so, would you mind to just start this conversation by uh, tell us a bit more about IEEE, uh, your, uh, your work uh, as a new president in the coming years, and any questions about that. Uh,
1: very good starting. <laughs> IEEE <laughs> is an international organization of engineers, scientists, even physicists. We have many physicists as IEEE members. Uh, we are present in 170 plus countries. All countries you can think of, we are present. Uh, We have been working on technology since 1884. We'll be 140 years old next year. Our biggest strength, besides publishing 200 journals and hosting 2,000 conferences globally, we are a resource for the students, academics, government, employees, industry engineers for relevant knowledge that they can benefit from. That's the, in in summary, but in other words, if we go to IEEE as a, as, a, as an organization, we have sections in 140 countries. That means we have members, IEEE members, who are leading discussions, projects, um, education in those countries. So we have a very big footprint which we can use to promote climate change related activities, which is what I have been doing for the last several months now. So that's IEEE in a nutshell.
0: Thank you. Uh I mean that that's a lot of people like me might have heard from uh, IEEE from the publications you just mentioned. Um and it's also new to to me and to I guess like my co-host here uh, to know I, IEEE has been working on climate change. Uh, and then you actually have a page on the work you did uh, where you shared with, uh, with us earlier. Um, so, what was like your uh, your personal work, uh, especially and at attribute to climate change, and when when it was started, like in the very beginning?
1: Well, to answer that question, I have to go back to my career at Virginia Tech. I followed in 1992 the Rio Earth, Rio Earth Summit, 1992 which was the first time U.N. came together, brought national leaders, discuss about sustainable development. We cannot keep on using the natural resources in uncontrolled fashion and hope to survive 200 years. It's not going to work. That's 1992. Then I was a professor at Virginia Tech, still I am. I said, what can academics do? What can Virginia Tech do to play a role in this movement? I started at the time called the Center for Energy and the Global Environment, CEAGE. That center was established in 1994. So, what, almost 20, uh, 23 and almost 30 years ago. Yeah. So, if you want to know more later on, go to my website, www.ceage.vt dot edu a lot of stuff you'll see there i have brought in engineers from africa for training under world bank sponsorship to them my center in virginia in washington dc so they have a place to discuss why is it important talk about sus- development that is sustainable development that means something to developed world something different developing world so this is the gap i'm trying to reduce or shrink by bringing developing country engineers, scientists, policymakers, and developed country specialists at the table so they can discuss issues that are relevant. That was very successful. Still, the center exists. And that, when I became IEEE president, I said, how can I use my knowledge and experience to IEEE's knowledge and advantage and build up on that this year, in fact? I moved very quickly, but before I became president, I was president-elect last year, and I have started work on climate change. We were at COP26 in Glasgow in 2021. We built on that, went to COP27 in Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt, November last year, and things have been going very well so far.
0: My question was, uh, you mentioned about Africa, like to, to bring in the engineer from different regions to work on SDG. Agendas. Um, So I wonder, like uh, being to so many different places, uh, like where you navigate the challenges, the difference uh, the world is facing when we talk about climate change, uh, especially uh, I think after COVID, uh, you have to compare like Asia, uh, Europe, perhaps like U.S.
1: That's a very good point. You know, I was born in Bangladesh, a developing country. I have been to almost 60 countries so far given lectures, I was in Panama, Vietnam, Singapore, Bangladesh, uh, this month already. So my point is, I know how people think in different parts of the world. That is why when I went to Sharm sheik for COP27, I wrote an article which published IEEE Spectrum, published it recently, about how we can bring together the policymakers from different parts of the world, different economic activities, So they have a say in this thing. We cannot say all solar or no solar, all nuclear or no wind. We cannot say that. So my six-point proposal has been very widely accepted because of that by industry, academia, policymakers, as well as developing and developed world, because it understands where people come from and what can they work together to make it possible for them to be uh, playing a role in this debate today.
0: Um, yeah, so so j- just to one more step uh, based on that. Um, and then like you recently had some travel as well. So uh, like where you see the uh, challenges, especially for countries that without much infrastructure uh, I'm talking about, for example, in Africa, uh, like the challenge is actually not uh, energy crisis perhaps it might be energy poverty uh, or like access to the secured energy uh, so issues like that is there any uh, examples that you can share with us through your work at IEEE yeah.
1: two examples that we have been working recently in South Africa and Nigeria both of them have power shortage South Africa city shortage right now for many other reasons so what we have said IEEE has a program called IEEE Smart Village Under the Smart Village program, we work in local communities, villages. Example, in Nigeria, under ISV, IEEE Smart Village program, our volunteers established a COVID test center using solar energy, where they could refrigerate um, medicine. And that is an example being followed in Uganda as well today. So we want to start from bottom up, go there, see what happens. South Africa also looking seriously in the issue of solar power, remote areas, because if you want to serve the local population all over the country, you cannot overnight build transmission networks impossible. possible. So we are giving solutions locally and that's going very well. That's that's an example of how it can be done. Again, also in Bangladesh, uh, small country, densely populated, but not very electrified yet. The so government, a few years back, had a program called S- Solar Home System. Put a 100-watt solar panel on a village rooftop, enough power for light, fan, small TV. So far, they've built more than 5 million such solar homes. And that's an example of, if you start a grassroots, things take off.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um, and um, I, I think this is a great example, like a solar panel uh, as like, especially what big created this world called green premium, uh, the difference of the price to be able to scale a technology that being affordable. Uh, I mean, solar panel has been, redu- been reduced uh, dramatically for the past couple of years. Uh, and then I think the cost of technology is a huge part of conservation. Uh, when we talk about the uh, solution part. Uh, so, I think the final part of this this part of my question, um, like throughout COP or other uh, international conference discussions you've been to, uh, which you see the biggest uh, like challenges when we talk about scaling uh, the solution, especially you being an entrepreneur yourself to build solutions as well, not just the research side, um, like like the cost or innovation or uh, something else.
1: There's multiple steps to this issue that you raised. First is awareness building. It can be done. Then they'll ask how it can be done. Second question, how it can, third, they ask who will pay for it.
2: Mm-hmm. And fourth
1: is how long will it last? A village person asks that, those set of questions. So first of all, awareness, what is solar energy? Well, they, are, they have not never seen a solar panel as an example. So you tell them what it is. Maybe take a sample with you. Then the question is, uh, how can we use it? Solar panels by themselves don't do much. You have to have battery backup, some electronics and some uh, some controls. So that's called charge controller. That has to be done. Then the question is, uh, can I afford it? That's where the government can step in. In Bangladesh's case, government put a lot of um, subsidy to get it going. And then, how long, how long would it last? Because they have to believe in this. And solar panels last 25 years, battery lasts maybe two years. My point is, you can just give it to them and, get, and walk away. That's the challenge. You have to be engaged with them, stay with them, train local villagers to maintain it, and create infrastructure. They can know where to go for buy the battery, how to replace electronics. So all that is infrastructure. Unless we do that right, we cannot sustain.
2: It sounds like a very uh, practical approach how to really to overcome the challenges, especially in the developing countries for the solar panels. I just wonder, like, for other type of renewable solutions, would this approach be transferable or we have to adapt in the different models to, to move things forward?
1: Well, other three renewable energy sources, wind, hydro, and biomass. Yeah. Wind is technically more sophisticated because it needs a motor all this kind of stuff that's why i talked in the beginning Uh, hydro globally small hydro is making inroads in china india vietnam recently uh, because this is technology which is not very high tech just some electric motors are involved in this so again that is more you can put a solar panel lighting system for less than 100 dollars that's it maybe $50, but hydro costs you $500. That's the difference. But hydro will serve a whole village, not just one home. So that's why you need cooperatives come together and work with an engineer or technicians of some sort. So and then biomass is, I have seen in some countries, um, the animal waste has a lot of methane, and they can collect the methane to uh, cook. And it's one case use methane to run a generator electricity. But those are more involved. But I would like to see when talking about development, that is sustainable. You have this in your portfolio, solar, wind, uh, biomass, um, hydro. And again, to be successful, like you're doing a good job, educate the local entrepreneurs, IEEE can give you a big help. We have a lot of engineers on the ground they can be your ambassadors to get this idea going. So when I became president, this question that Karen asked me was asked of me, what is your mission as president? (laughs) My mission is to make IEEE more relevant to the working engine, more relevant. Like if I talk to an engineer in Vietnam, let's say, and give him or her this portfolio, solar, wind, hydro, biomass, they get excited give them some literature, some hardware, and let them be on their own. So that's how I want to see IEEE become a relevant force in the global community, not just among PhDs like you and me.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I can see that you try to like uh, transform IEEE become more like like a collaborative platform and Mm -hmm. and to bring the different parties into the same goal and to, to push the technology to be more practical useful for, for people that will need it. Um, and because you talk about like different approaches, like, and also how to maybe like different business model, how to bring the corporate in, uh, but not too, to, probably not too much about technical aspect. I wonder like, is that you think technical problems almost solved, or uh, you still think there might be some like challenge in technical, side that need to be addressed
1: well it is not solved but idea is fairly old solar energy like elect- i mean uh, solar panel idea is 60 years old yeah. what is the challenge today is making it sustainable like in bangladesh they ask the question how long will it last can i afford it to make the solar panel as karen said they become much less expensive now than it used to be but electronics is still a challenge. The battery charger, for example, is is an issue. So we had given a a grant to a school in Bangladesh, IEEE money, to develop a robust charging, uh, battery charging system, as an example. So those are the challenges. So my focus is, it's not just the lab level technology, it has to be robust, has to be easily available, and understood by the end user. So that's the challenge, to make it robust and and, and longer lasting.
0: Um, I just want to jump in here uh, as we, we talk many about solar panel, because uh, one thing I observe uh, and I heard from uh, all the news, uh, the challenge to get development of energy so slow, one of the reasons is uh, when whenever like there is a investment into certain technology, uh, it takes, I mean, one is the skill uh, of capital it needed, uh, and also the speed uh, to develop, uh, compared with other fields, it's really long. Um, so it's hard to secure a really sustainable flow of capitals to support the innovation or research in this area. Uh, and now, like, uh, I think a lot of pressures from both public and <clears> private uh, looking to climate, but it hasn't been always been the case. Um, so throughout your decades of working experience, um, do you think uh, like the <coughs> capital investment is a solution or, or like assuming we can have enough support from the capital side, uh, do you see it's feasible to actually solve some really challenging uh, issues that we now have like storage or transmission like like Europe is building this interconnector uh, between different countries? Uh, and. Yeah, I just wonder, like, uh, if you have to compare, uh, there's a research uh, arm, uh, and there's the engineers, like, working on the, on the ground, practical, uh, to deploy the solution, and also there's a huge topic about the financing part, Uh, like, how do you see those two uh, work together from your, uh, your role, like, now, as the president of
1: IEEE? When I was at COP27, I moved around the green zone, blue zone, both places. I saw many pavilions about finance, banks, uh, insurance, not many about technology, not many. So this is my challenge. We can talk about climate justice, talk about sustainability, talk about even forums, which is fine. In fact, I gave a talk at the UN Energy Forum on the 15th of November. I was le- gone, so I had a video uh, done with, uh, with the, uh, my Chinese colleagues. So my point, Karen, is the following. We need money, of course. But today, for the COP27 discussion, they have been talking about $100 billion fund, uh, which would help developing world to move forward. But I talk to US government people, European uh, policymakers. They say, we will give money happily but there must be a good cause that money will be spent. Very important. So that's what I'm telling my colleagues in developing world that do not just ask for money, tell them what will you do with the money and give them a roadmap. Then the donor becomes more interested. So that's the gap we need to work on. That's why I put the six point solution. One is energy efficiency. What you can do to reduce Energy consumption. I just read an article in uh, Economist magazine this morning about Egypt. They have a serious energy shortage. What they have done? They said for air conditioning, temperature must be twenty-five or higher. Right? In the U.S. is twenty or twenty-one. Number one. Number two, they dim the street lights at night. Dim the lights, reduce energy, and they do not light up the office buildings at night. So this is an example. It can be done. So if you say, that's my company's job, in fact, if you say, I need technology to make my building smart, then money can be found to make the building smart by automatically changing the light intensity, changing the thermostat setting to 27, in fact, in some cases, and controlling big fans in the building. So that needs some money. But if you can show that roadmap where the money goes, that does two things, one, create opportunity for hardware development and, and marketing like this building control systems and more importantly opportunities for technicians to do this kind of job with that job doesn't exist today so that you create opportunity for employment and businesses will have hardware to design manufacture and sell in those markets yeah and
0: that's actually echoes of one of the uh very beginning reason we started talking climate because uh, we believe like there is a uh, need of optimization in the climate issue. Uh, usually it's not the solution, it's not there. Uh, and then a lot of times it's like resources not being uh, well-placed uh, or being used even like information. Uh, so for, for audience, if not in the climate field, like we have IPCC uh, writing about thousands of pages uh, coming out every year uh to just digest that takes i think uh like for for not technical readers it's a it's a huge chunk of uh reading like hard to understand and then uh even put it into solution um so as the uh so we're trying to bring in all the topics about the digital uh ideas uh and then optimizations even the field uh so just want to pick up your brain on this idea do you see the uh potential what and how like we can uh, Encourage such optimization, perhaps in adage or, or put up broader topics where you see we can use the solutions we, today we have to do the simulation, even before we can imagine how the thing can go into uh, in the real
1: world. Well, uh, let's do a roadmap. To make this happen, people have to know this is possible. Like smart buildings, I work on that for a long, for a long time. But many people don't know this is possible. So if you go to a developing country lab, let's say, go to, I don't know, Thailand, India, whatever, China, the students don't know this is a possibility. So I have encouraged my colleagues in China included, Bangladesh, China, India, Thailand, Egypt, so far, uh, where I tell them, when you teach a class, talk about optimizing the energy usage in the building. I say, with my technology that BM controls, I can make a dumb building smart. <laughs> what I mean by this, dumb buildings mean building is sitting there, is in, b- bringing power to turn the lights on, a air conditioning fan. It only receives power, it's not doing anything more. If you have a rooftop solar in, on that building roof, you use part of that energy from sunshine to serve part of the building. The building is a passive device. I want to make the building smart. How? By putting some solutions, some hardware, software in the building, it can monitor what the building is doing now. If building is not very well populated, not many people, you don't need to cool so much. But this is not done today in the U.S. They're all same cooling goes on all the time. So we call it building integrated energy systems. Example, example. in line building right now, sun is coming and going because of the cloudiness in the sky. If I, de- if I depend on solar power to run my lights in this building, I'll be in trouble when the sun is, is partly uh, covered. So if we can predict next two minutes when the sun is not, not going to be shining 100%, I can program my lights to dim a little bit. I don't need as much power. Lights can be dim, AC can be controlled, then I can manage with 50% electricity that will be available because of the cloudiness. That's a smartness. Your building load changes dynamically as the supply changes. That's an education part. I've written papers on that topic, and this is how we can educate the, engineers building managers to accept solar so that they would not be suffering the loss of energy for a few minutes because uh, clouds are coming in
0: yeah so um how far uh we've been to like regarding the concept being uh i call it like active manage of the demand and then, uh, supply side of that it's like uh what's possible today we have a major reward? Can you give me, like, a simple
1: uh, description of it? The technology exists. Awareness is not there yet. First of all, you have to have some technology to dim the lights. It's available in many countries today, but not widely used. You must have some central server which will monitor all the lights and air conditioning thermostats in the building so it is done in some cases for large buildings but not that uh, granular yet so my point is technology can be can be adjusted or added with added features to make the application more robust so it's issue of knowledge sharing uh, we have the technology but it's not widely used because people don't know it can be done how it can be done so and also the software is is there but hardware is in some cases country specific because of the way things work so if you have somebody like you talk about the big picture you can have your branches in vietnam or cambodia or laos or india china whatever that becomes a global global uh platform to talk about this
2: so it seems there will be definitely need new system, new hardware, software implemented in the integrated in the building to to make this works. And this will come about the cost which the end user will cares about. I wonder, they at the early stage, would then policymaker if they have some policies or some industrial wide act to help out to to push like more like smart energy efficient building. Would that if that works then more specifically uh, what type of policies that you would imagine would be most efficient uh, to promote that yeah
1: in many countries if developing or especially the governments are pulling back from subsidizing power of electricity cost subsidizing because they can't afford it anymore So the peak demand has to be managed. Right now, they don't know what to do. They turn things off. Off is a hardship for people. You can turn power off. That's what happens today in Egypt, Bangladesh, India, many places uh, called load shedding, South Africa especially today. So rather than shedding the load, meaning turning lights off, you can dim the lights. So governments understand that it costs them a lot of money to build power plants which are serving only the peak hour load, evening load. So they're using that power station for only four hours a day, not 24 hours a day. But if you could avoid those peaks using energy efficiency we just talked about, we don't need that power station. So they they know this is money on the table. Are you going to build a power station with that money or give people technology? They don't need that much power from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. on a hot summer day.
2: Yeah, you also mentioned about because the peak of using electricity is different across the day. Uh, Instead of like two minutes prediction to dip the light a bit, can you have a more like daily level uh, reschedule of the energy, like for example, store some energy in the off-peak hour and then use it in the peak hour, that kind of system?
1: Yeah, that's a longer term issue again. That requires battery, which has to be bought. So that is my next solution. If you need four, six, eight-hour notice and storage, then you cannot turn the lights off for six hours. Dim the lights for that long. You need batteries or some kind of storage. For example, battery today mainly battery storage. So by using battery storage, you can cover the longer-term needs. But if you control the building load as well, you can you can you can balance out the the short-term fluctuation, fluctuations. That's what is causing a lot of difficulty today. Right.
2: Yeah, also, about- in,
1: my place, in my room right yeah. now, sun coming yeah. through, I don't need that much light, but the room doesn't have the technology to dim the light as sunshine gets stronger. My company has a solution to do that, sensing the outdoor light conditions and dim, dim the light so that total light is the same, but more of the light is coming from sun than the electric light bulb. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I want to uh, bring, uh, seems irrelevant, but I think uh, it's important, the key questions about the access of all the solutions that we're talking about here. Uh, like recently, we hear a lot of uh, news from OpenAI and then Microsoft uh, on the development of the uh, GPT 3.5 and then, then 4, uh, and having been in the technology field for so long, uh, from my view uh we think like climate solution also has a similar challenge of access uh it's like being used and controlled by small portion of society like who's uh actually not the, the one most vulnerable uh being impacted by impact by climate change uh so the question is where do you see uh the democracy of uh perhaps like AI technologies and applications like or any angle you see the ability uh like now we can have access of new ways of searching information can be relevant to uh, do the capacity building for climate change, uh, helping people to fast search uh, what might be useful and uh, practical adaptation mitigation solutions through, for example, like ChatGPT gpt um, or like your general views on this innovation coming out.
1: Well, if ChatGPT gpt can be done in Chinese or Indian language or Bangladesh language or Vietnamese language, it makes a big difference. Tell you why. At the beginning today, we talked about how technology penetrates mm-hmm. the society. I said awareness, how it works, can I afford it? And how long would it last? That is being answered now by sending somebody to the village, and village school maybe. If we could give chat GPT to school teacher should ask these questions and get answers without me or you going there. Then they get more convinced this is a possibility. Then the school kids figure out a way to put things together. That's that's real democracy, the real revolution. You empower them so they don't need you and me to be sitting with them and explaining things. ChatGPT can do it for them, but the borderline is is there has to be in those languages so the school teachers can figure it out. One added issue to that question IEEE has what is called a website called do I think. Try put it in Google, see it. That has content for school teachers, try about many things we're talking about now. not so much details. So I gave a talk in COP27. The group called International Renewable Energy Agency, Arena out of Abu Dhabi. Their program called Energy Transition Education Network, ETEN, and they're giving content to teachers in Africa, so they can teach about solar energy and all that. I told them we have try engineering, which has many content, much content about this. They loved it. All free for sure. Recently, in, I was in India in, the, in December, gave a talk, and once they heard so powerful, they put together a team to make that translation in the Indian language, Mark language. Now the school kids can see this, try engineering in their own language. So Chad, GPT can be convinced to put their GPT in different languages. Maybe we should tell, tell them that, they'll be happy to do this, so that more global uh, audience they can serve.
0: That is one of my beliefs. I think uh, the, on. one of the most direct usage is really uh, the reverse way of having information to be delivered to the user through language. Like humans are good at ask questions uh, in plain language, but not everyone can do programming. Uh, so if we can like, really do the local language to, uh, to be the bridge uh, of the materials that we have out there, uh, like organizations like IEEE, that will be a huge change for how we, uh, how we teach about climate and other topics
2: yeah um, i think that would be yeah i think that would be very cool because uh, many there are so much information and knowledge in the web on the in, in the internet but mostly not just english in english there's many other languages have much knowledge that actually we can capture and then directly you can be applied to people they are interested in them That would to really to accelerate this process that we don't need any new infrastructure, but we can use right. a great tool, can adapt it and then uh, rapid implementation. And I think that's a very good idea to actually, if we can have a collaborative collaborate force to, to make this happen. Uh, I would, yeah, I, yeah, hopefully, I, I, you can, I don't know any ongoing uh, initiative to, to push this.
1: Uh, What we have done for IEEE, when I gave this talk in Abu Dhabi last July about tri-engineering, they said, can we have Arabic version, Swahili version in Africa? I said, why not? So the solution that we have come up with, let them go to Google and translate in their language. It's not very clean, but it's a starting point. Then our local section leaders can come in and clean this up. Once it is done, we'll give them access to backend of this uh, server, backend. Then it, this version will be uploaded in the backend. Then you go to engineering in Chinese or Vietnamese and Sohali. And then you click that button and you see everything is in that language, ready to go. So that's my yep. next challenge. But things, things are moving in, in India, they've done in one language, exactly local IEEE volunteers got together and put that thing in place.
0: We're looking forward to the process on that, uh, progress on that. What happened in the the past week, uh, it's like people saying uh, nothing happened decades, but in a week, like decades happened. Uh, This is like what really we've been observing about amazing things happening, uh, coming out on top of the GPT innovations. Um, And like this can definitely leverage uh, like all the innovations uh, and the work uh, like organization has been done, like IEEE, I think to get that uh capacity knowledge to access by everyone which is, which i think is the ultimate goal uh, of the conference like cop uh we have so many conferences today about climate change uh, but really come to in- implementation uh I think like there's a huge gap like how to transfer people coming from different backgrounds to be able to work on the same manner um yeah just just like uh, final questions uh, i think a lot of our audience will be interested in their own career, uh, like as as a as someone like who worked in decades in academia, uh, and then like uh, made your way to one of the most important organizations in engineering, like IEEE and the builder company. Um, what kind of advice would you give, uh, like people now uh, started like their new career uh, or perhaps be interested in climate, uh, like to build technologies on that?
1: What I would advise them is keep your you. knowledge base as broad as you can. Things change very quickly. Number one. For example, what's happening in Nigeria should not be managed by Nigeria only. They should not happening in surrounding countries, number one. Because of internet, because of things like chat GPT, because of IEEE, now there are opportunities for them to engage. For that reason, I'd advise young engineers, especially could physicists, computer scientists, people, to be engaged with IEEE. Student membership deals like $7, almost nothing. It's easy to do, yeah, when you're a student. Could be a PhD student also, same things, cost the same. So engage, because IEEE has a lot of free resources that you can be part of. For example, we have launched what is called IEEE climate change collection, library of articles, uh, papers on climate change. Many of those are free to the whole world. If you I remember, you can see it, but if you're not a member, you can still see part of it. So one question people ask me, give me some reading materials until where I go. There's so much going on now. A lot of stuff are not not right, not true. People say things. If it shows up on internet, it doesn't mean it's right. It's correct. That is exactly why we chose to launch that library called Climate Change Collection. If you go to the Climate Change website, you'll see it. So that we have content there which are vetted, written by experts, and these are backed up by data and references. So that would be my advice. Keep your knowledge broad. Be part of IEEE, you can then access other engineers, senior members of the society. And finally, have the curiosity to not to stop. Things will change, things will happen. And be willing to try new things. As a young person, you are more flexible to try new things. Somebody who is 50 years old cannot do that because of other reasons. So be flexible, be open to new ideas, and be a member of some network, could be IEEE, could be something else, and do work in a collaborative fashion, not just by yourself, so that you can benefit from your colleagues, your friends' ideas as well as your own idea. Those would be my initial reaction to your question, Karen.
0: Wonderful. Um, and final one: uh, what would what would be uh, what would be your suggestions, like, uh, Doctor? like walking from your phd's couple of years in uk like now become a i would say like uh, community engineer and also an engineer yeah. so
2: yeah yeah i think the, the the there's a lot of things going on in climate area and also energy especially energy sector that for example in uk the government and also university put out a like new faraday scheme to push the te- battery technology and also try to have the local uh, network system to help to like to uh, to educate many engineers which then them not just help the enterprise but also to build a network that could pass on the knowledge and experience and that's why i think as uh, professor rama suggests like joining his uh, organization like IEEE and knowledge uh, to absorb as knowledge as possible, that I think is it, good because things move very quickly. And, and that's why I think for me is to, to, to join a conversation like this and also get to know people, really help to, to build uh, what I try to do. Uh,
0: Thank you both. Uh, and I will look forward to see you uh, in UK or China someday. Thank you so much for listening to today's Talks at Climate stay tuned for more insight into how climate data solutions will be the game changer in climate change mitigation adaptation. We will invite more leading experts to come to share their top minds. Subscribe to our podcast on Loom, Spotify, or on our YouTube channel. For audience in China, you can also find our shows on Xiaoyu You can also reach out to us on website or follow us on LinkedIn. Thank you so much. See you next time.